praise the Lord. Boy, the Spirit of God has just been so evident in worship, hasn't it, this morning? There are just some times when the Spirit is just so, so strong. And, you know, it would, it would say, well, why can't we have that every time? You know, and I've thought about that a lot. And why, what is it that makes the Spirit stronger sometimes than others, you know? And, and why can't we just repeat that recipe, as we would say? You know what I mean? Why can't we just copy that recipe and then hand it out? You know what I mean? It really depends a lot on us because the Spirit of God doesn't have to be asked to come, per se. You understand what I'm saying? Because the Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of God is in us. It depends on us, really. Are we, have we com- completely submitted ourselves? Are we completely selling out to worship? Or are we withholding from God? Because I'll tell you what, when we take that step and when we enter in to the Holy of Holies, as it were, The Spirit of God is there, and then we are able to experience the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is already here, friends. It's already here. The Spirit of God is in us. Now, are we... You see, there used to be a a big curtain in the temple that separated the temple from the Holy of Holies, where the place where God's presence was dwelling. It's not like that anymore. When Jesus Christ was crucified on that cross, do you remember the earthquake that happened? The earthquake that happened caused the temple veil to be torn in two. And that's the thing that's, that's what it's called. It's called the temple veil. And that was the thing that separated the Holy of Holies from the other parts of the temple. And so we are no longer separated from the presence of God. He lives within us. He lives within us. And so then, when we come to a gathering, are we expecting the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are we immersed in His presence? Or are we withholding? Are we withholding from Him praise that is due? You know? And yes, there are certain things that help us enter in all right? We're physical beings. Physical things help us to get there. All right? Such things as the music. All right? Do you know that if Bill was to go up there, and Bill is just great at this, he can just play some music, and without any words being spoken, you can feel the Holy Spirit. Right? You can, you can feel the Holy Spirit through the music. And so the music is something that helps us to enter in. Lighting, and that's going to be something that we're going to work on in the future. Lighting also is something that helps you to enter in. If you've been to a, um, maybe you've been up to Cross Point or something like that, where they, it's a big, huge place, and there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that are worshiping, or maybe to some sort of um, auditorium, and the lights are down low, and the band just begins to play, in worship and things like that, you can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit very strongly, very quickly. Even before anybody starts to play, you can feel the presence of the Lord. And so there are certain things that help with that, all right? But is the vessel, are you personally prepared? When you come, 
Are you in an attitude of worship? Because God is spirit, and he must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Amen? That's what the Word of God says. So when we worship, there's some preparatory things that we can do. I'll tell you what. If you begin to praise the Lord before you get here, maybe on the drive here or while you're doing up your fancy do and getting yourself all cleaned up and smelling nice and purty, while you're doing all those things, if you begin to praise the Lord or put on praise and worship music, I'm telling you what, by the time you get here, you're already in the presence of the Lord. You can feel that presence. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So there's some preparatory work that we can do as believers so that when we get here, the Spirit is just just so strong and it's unifying. Amen? But the presence of God does not depend on whether he's going to come. That is not the case. Because where two or more are gathered in my name... I'm there. You don't have to ask me to come. I'm there. Because why? We're gathered in his name. We've come for that purpose. All right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I was uh, doing some wrestling this week, if you will. There's some wrestling I was doing as I was preparing for today's message and, um, you know, do I kind of default to the revelation study that we've been doing um, or do I do something else? And uh, just been seeking God, just seeking God in his presence and, and, you know, making sure that I am following the Lord because when there's people following you, you want to make sure that you're going where God is leading. Amen. And that's my heart. That's my heart. I want to be where God is. I want to be a pup at his heels. Do you follow what I'm saying? Do you ever have a puppy? And it's like wherever you go, man, that thing's just bumping right into your heels. You know, wherever you go, that puppy just following you. You know? And he'd be tripping over all your feet. <laughs> that's the way I want to be. I want, that's the way I want to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to be where he's leading. The Bible says, I will guide you with mine eye. I will guide you. Where he's leading, he is our good shepherd. In Psalm 23, a good shepherd, a great example. And where he's leading is where we want to follow. And so, seeking God as to where he's leading is part of it. Amen. There's a scripture. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 7, verse 14? <clears throat> Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Now, let me, let me just kind of set the stage a little bit. Have you, I'm just going to ask you a few questions and please don't shout out yes or no or give examples. I'm not looking for that, all right? What I am looking for, though, is for you to question yourself, all right? Have you ever, 
even though you desire to follow God, have you sinned? Okay. I think that collectively we can say yes. All right. Maybe there are sins that continue to be a problem. Okay. And again, we find ourselves wrestling with this problem. That even though we are believers, we love Jesus, we've received him as our Savior, we're trusting in the blood of Jesus, and yet we still stumble. And there's a scripture in Romans that says, we have all sinned, and what? fallen short of the glory of God. All right? That means that we have all strayed, in a sense, from what God wants for us. Amen? We've all fallen short. We've, we've, if God has set the bar here, we show up around here someplace. Right? And as Christians, that is something that hopefully bothers us. It should. It really should. And we, we question ourselves and we question God, why? Why does this keep happening? Why do I keep doing what I'm doing when I want to do something else? My spirit, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, the spirit is what? Willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh, not so much. The Spirit is like, let's go do this. Let's do some fasting, man. Let's, let's press into God's presence. I want to hear what's going on. I'm spitting all over the place. Let's press into what God's doing. I want to find out where he's leading me. I want to, I want to experience him in the fullness. Let's do some fasting. And this, the flesh is like, man, I want donuts. <laughs> I, want do- I want chicken fingers. I don't want to be messing with that fasting stuff. <laughs> the Spirit is willing. Urgh. But the flesh is not so much. Yeah? Hmm. Well, this very thing is addressed in the Word of God. Aren't you glad that God provided everything in His Word, as the Bible says, for life and godliness? Everything that we need, (laughs) everything that we need to survive spiritually is, is right here in this book. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I'm what you need to survive. I'm what you need to feed on. Amen? Amen. The bread of life. The word of God. Everything that we need for life and godliness. Let's let's read uh, chapter 7 of Romans, verses 14 to the end here. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. And here is the big paradox, if you will. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do it. But what I hate, this I do. And if I do, 
I've got to be careful here because I get bound up. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is, it is sin living in me. Okay, now let's, let's just stop right there. All right. So he's saying that the sin, because he wants to do what is right, the sin is still living in him. So it's not him that's actually, it's the sin in him. Okay? It's the sin nature, if you will. All right? It is sin living in me, in verse 17. Verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire, now listen, to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And here we are, all together. (laughs) I have the desire to do what I know is right, but I don't have the strength to carry it out. Have you been there? Are you in that place today? My friend, be encouraged because you're in really good company. (laughs) You're in really good company. You're not alone. Every believer has the same problem, our sin. Our sin before God. And though we come to the altar and we repent of it, and we, you know what? Confessing sin is a really important thing. Confessing your sin to a brother or sister or pastor or something like that, speaking it with your mouth, that's a really important thing. Because it keeps you open and accountable before somebody or God. That's difficult. It's difficult. But it's important. It's important. And so even though we have the desire to do what is good, we are not able to carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No. The evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. I keep falling flat on my face. I keep saying things I don't want to say. I keep doing things I don't want to do. I keep clicking on things I don't want to click on. I keep doing this, I keep doing that, and so on and so forth. And for each person, they have their own vice. And that vice keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter, and it begins to squeeze you. (laughs) And it's got you in its jaws, if you will. And the enemy knows what card to play, to trump you. You follow? Even though I want to do what is right. Now, if I do what I, don't, I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Now, let's, that's worth reading again, all right? Now, it would seem like he, we're casting blame on somebody else so that we're not responsible, Some sort of scapegoat, right? Somebody else to take the blame. We ought to blame somebody else so that we're not guilty. We don't want to be guilty. 
The law exposes our sin. The, the word of God exposes our sin, does it not? Okay. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Thank God for that. It's not me anymore. It's my sin. <laughs> yeah. I'm pumped about that. I like the sounds of that. I'm not guilty anymore. But do you see the paradox here? We're caught in sin. We're, we're, we're part spiritual. We're, we're part physical. And so we wrestle. There's a battle going on inside of our spirits. You understand that? In our minds. The battle between the flesh and the spirit. Always, always going on. 24-7. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. So he's observing, if you will. See, he was dealing with the same problem we were. We are. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Right at the door. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I delight in the things of God. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war, and there it is, against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. See, there's that battle. The battlefield, the battle lines are drawn, friends. And if we are not trained with our weapons, as the Bible says, our weapons are not carnal. They're not man's weapons, right? Our weapons are spiritual. They have divine power, the Bible says, <laughs> to demolish strongholds. Hallelujah. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. He's had it. He's had it, man. I'm tired of battling all the time. I keep falling on my face. I want to do everything that God wants for me. I want to obey. I want to follow him. And yet I'm still doing this. I'm still wretched. I'm still wrecked. Before God. And I'm still guilty. Oh, wretched man am I, he says. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And there is the answer. And you, friends, may take some criticism. You may take some persecution from those around you, maybe in your workplace or your family. Family's pretty good at putting those digs in there sometimes. And yet, and they'll say to you, you're, you're a Christian and you just did that? Really, dude? If that's the way it is, all Christians are hypocrites. 
then I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with that. And that's when we have the opportunity to humbly and lovingly say, you know what, man? I fall on my face every day. I sin. I fall short of what God wants for me. And I know it. I'm a poor example. And that's why I need Jesus. And so do you. So do you. Take comfort, my friends. Take comfort, my friends. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to sin. You see, we are being pulled apart, pulled apart by the Spirit and the flesh. They don't like each other very much. And that battle just keeps on warring. And you may have seen, you may have seen in, in different cartoons and whatnot, on one shoulder is this little angel. On the other shoulder is this little demon sort of Satan character. And, and they, they fight. Anybody, have you, anybody ever seen The Emperor's New Groove? Okay. It's kind of one of our family favorites. If you haven't seen it, you'll get a good laugh out of it. It's worth it. Even the adults. And so he's got one, on one side, he's got this little angel sort of character, and the other ones, and they're fighting, you know. And, but that's kind of the way it is, but just a wimpy uh, analogy, if you will. But it, it's just so true. It's just so true. Oh my gosh, how did you find that? That's awesome. <laughs> that's exactly the way it is. And he said, and the guy, so the demonic guy is looking at the angel guy. He says, and that's a dress that you're wearing. He says, robe, dress. <laughs> oh, goodness, that's great. And so in verse uh, 1 of chapter 8 now in Romans, therefore. Now, when you hear a therefore, you kind of take a step back, and it's just like all of these things that we've been talking about are added up, and then there's a big equals line. And this is the sum, therefore this. Okay? Therefore, there is now no condemnation. There is now no condemnation. A qualifying thing here. For those who are in Christ Jesus. A qualifying statement there. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you've got to be under the blood, if you will, to escape condemnation. If you are not under the blood, that condemnation remains. The blood is the thing that washes us clean and frees us from sin and the judge of all the earth. We will stand before him. And I was talking about this. I spoke at the jail the other day, which is something I just really, really enjoy doing. And besides having a captive audience, um, 
I really do like it because their hearts are really open and they're hurting and they're searching and, and um, it's a real special time that you're able to speak encouragement to people in a time when they are ready, in a sense, to hear it and receive it. And I was saying to them, There's a lot of condemnation. And you're going to stand before a judge at some time. And you're going to have to give an account of what you did. And we are no different. We are going to stand before the judgment seat of God himself and give an account for every careless word, the Bible says. Every careless word we've spoken. So that puts a great precedence on what we say, doesn't it? What about what we do? How much more? Hmm? We're going to have to give an account to God of what we have done. And let me tell you, the gavel is going to fall. And we're either going to be guilty or we're going to be not guilty. Okay? And when the judge looks at us and he says, okay, I've got down here, you did this and you did this, and he's got a long list of stuff that we done contrary to the word of God. In disobedience, do you follow me? Disobedience. And he's going to say, these are all things that you have done. What have you got to say for yourself? And we have nothing to say. We have nothing to say. All we can do is stand there in embarrassment, guilty of every single thing that he lists. And then Jesus. Jesus steps into the courtroom. When Jesus comes into the room, everything changes. When Jesus steps into the courtroom, everything changes. courtroom, as it were, will just bow before him. And he walks up to us, and he puts his arm around us. And he says, Judge, this one's with me. This one's with me. And the judge looks, and he sees that we're stained with the blood of the precious only Son of God. And the courtroom erupts in praise. It shouts in hallelujahs. And the whole place just rejoices because of what was done for the guilty one. That's me and you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Down in Verse 5 of chapter 8, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile towards God. 
Isn't that the way it is? Isn't that the way the world is today? It seems like it's, host- it's becoming more and more hostile to God and those who represent him. You follow me? The world is hostile toward God. It doesn't want anything to do with them. Why? Because it exposes their sin. If they would only recognize why Jesus came to wash them, to buy them back, to redeem them from sin. The sinful mind is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, you are controlled by the Spirit. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Notice, it doesn't say spiritual bodies there. It says, your mortal bodies. He will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, so we are all Gentiles because we're not Jews. Most of us, I would say, right? We are all Gentiles. 16, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. This is, this is pretty dangerous wording here, all right? This is dangerous stuff because the law was just so important. When Jesus came, It was a new system, if you will. A new system, because up until then, the law was everything. Okay? And now Jesus comes, fulfills the law, and so some of these these laws are not necessary, really, anymore. Because Jesus came and fulfilled the law and the practices of the law. Jesus fulfilled them. In a sense, they have become obsolete. Because, and can you see, even that feels odd saying that. All right? But because of what Jesus did, this is now the new system. Okay? Because everything in the old way has been fulfilled by what Jesus did on the cross. And now... God himself, his spirit lives inside of us. 
You may remember on the day of Pentecost, we just celebrated that a few weeks ago. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus, after being crucified, had, had told them, go to Jerusalem and wait there until what? The Holy Spirit comes. All right? They didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what that looked like, what it was going to feel like. They just knew that they needed to go to Jerusalem and wait there for him. And if you remember, they were in the upper room together, praying, and the Holy Spirit came. Mm, mm, mm. The Holy Spirit showed up in power. And the wind, just, just like a wind, just rushed through that place. And tongues of fire came to rest on them. Something that looked like tongues of fire, the Bible says. Remember that? The Spirit of God. Friends, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you're not the same person you used to be. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is power there. There's strength. And it helps us to obey. Yes? And it gives us a boldness that we have this passion inside of us that we can't keep it quiet. (laughs) The Spirit of God wants to display God. Do you understand that? So the Spirit of God that lives within us wants to display who he is, wants to tell other people who he is, wants to speak the truth. And we become his witnesses. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Verse 17, if we will speak if, we, if while we speak to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? No way. Absolutely not, it says. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. Now listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has gone. And it says, behold, look, everything is what? Everything is new. You see, we died with Christ We died with Christ, and he caused us to live again by his blood. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. But even the most righteous of the righteous still fall short. And the Bible says that our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags before God. So even if we were the best person, we don't miss a Sunday in church. We don't miss a tithe. We don't miss helping the poor. We, don't, we do all of these things, and yet 
if we fail to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of our souls, we miss it. We miss it. Praise God. Would you stand with me today? I want to give you an opportunity today to come before the Lord and kneel before Him and bring some things that you have been struggling with. And this is difficult to do because it's admitting guilt. We don't like to admit guilt. Especially as Christians, we don't like to admit guilt. We want everybody to think that we got it all together. But God knows better. God knows better. In our front yard are white picket fences. In our front yard are beautifully trimmed trees, beautiful shrubs, pretty flowers, a paved driveway. But in our backyard are junk cars, garbage, <laughs> darkness. You see what I'm saying? God knows what's in our backyard. He can see past the beautiful white fences. He knows what's there. Friends, we need to keep these things ever before God. Ever before God. Because if we don't, and we try to hide them, or ignore them, they just become stronger and stronger and blacker and blacker. Are you hearing this morning? This morning, you are invited to come to the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning at this altar and lay down the things that you are struggling with. Lay them down. Don't, don't carry it around. Don't do it. We don't have to. God provided a way. We need to bring them before the feet of the Lord and ask forgiveness because there is forgiveness in Jesus. We need to repent and we need to confess them before God. Would you join me today? Jody, would you come up? Would you join me this morning at the altar laying down the sin as we come before the Lord?